Welcome back to the Coffee and Bible Time podcast. For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's Word. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. In fact, we just launched our brand new in-depth Bible study academy. You can check that out at coffeeandbibletime.com. Well, I'm Mentor Mama, and today we're going to be talking about finding your place in God's story through the biblical stories of women in Jesus's lineage. Finding your place in God's story, thankfully, isn't about doing more or having it all together. It's about resting in God's promises and seeking his wisdom to live faithfully wherever we are. Our guest today, Teresa Swanstrom Anderson, creator of the Get Wisdom Bible Studies, is here to focus specifically on her Bible study of the women in Jesus's lineage to demonstrate to us that God is speaking into our stories through the complicated lives of five ordinary, imperfect, yet very courageous women connected to Jesus through his lineage. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hey, Mentor Mama here. At Coffee and Bible Time, we recommend you introduce Jesus to your kids as early as possible. That's why we're partnering with the Talking Jesus doll. The Talking Jesus doll is so cute and made of the softest, snuggliest material. And you guessed it, he talks. When you squeeze his hand, he speaks 10 phrases that Jesus said in the Bible, from the Lord's Prayer to John 3.16 and everything in between. It's so important to introduce children to the love and lessons of Jesus in their formative years. I love this product and so does everyone else. The Talking Jesus doll is loved by families on four continents and has hundreds of five-star amazing reviews. Kids are learning Bible verses and even using the doll to minister to others. So if you have kids, grandkids, nieces, or nephews, this is the perfect birthday, Easter, or Christmas gift. Go to JesusDoll.com and use promo code CBTDOLL to get 10% off your purchase. That's JesusDoll.com, promo code CBTDOLL to get 10% off your purchase. Teresa Swanstrom Anderson is an author, speaker, and Bible study teacher. She is the author of Beautifully Interrupted and the Get Wisdom Bible Studies. Her study, Living for What Really Matters, was a 2021 ECPA award finalist in the Bible study category. She lives in Denver, Colorado with her husband and six children and is passionate about helping women understand the Bible. Please welcome Teresa. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's fun to actually hear a, a bio. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's exciting. Remember when I did that? 
Oh, it's so good to have you here. And you're just such the perfect fit for our goal, which is to help people delight in God's word. And you've done a beautiful job of that. It seems like so your previous studies that you've done covered Joshua, Psalms, and Philippians. So what inspired you to to focus on the women in Jesus's lineage? Yeah, so I'm a big proponent of just really digging into scripture, like through a book instead of topically. Um, I think that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes when we go topically, we kind of make the Bible and verses say what we want it to say. And I really believe that um, we need to do more than just read the Bible. Yes, we need to read the Bible. So don't take that out. But we also have to study scripture. And the reason is, is because we are thousands of years and thousands of miles away from ancient Israel. So Mm -hmm. if we're not careful, we're going to turn it into kind of Western 21st century um, ideas, because that's our frame of reference. So as I do these studies, again, Psalms really dug into, yes, the Psalms, but also the first and second Samuel stories that inspired the Psalms. So I really think that, you know, if we're just reading the Psalms, we're going to be like, wait, I'm halfway through the conversation. It's like at a cocktail party and you walk up to a group of people and you're like, what are you talking about? And um, so digging into first and second Samuel, knowing that certain stories do um, collaborate with certain Psalms, we get to hear the backstory. We get to really understand what's going on. So that's kind of how I study scripture. So this uh, most recent study, Finding Your Place in God's Story, it um, was really brought out of my publishers wanting me to create a Advent study. And as I, and I was trying to think of something different. Um, I'm a, I mean, I have pink hair, so you can tell that I like <laughs> things that are a little bit different. And I don't want to do the same thing that everyone else has done because lots of things have been done beautifully and uh, they don't need my, you know, my second I don't know, second voice, I guess, in it. And so I was trying to think of something unusual um, in the way of studying Advent. And I thought, what would be better than studying the women that came before and um, were really that tree that the offshoots of Jesus um, Mm -hmm. became? And so as I turned in my first draft my editor and the publisher were like, um, yeah, we don't like this. And I was like, what do you mean you don't like this? And he was like, no, we don't like this for Advent. We love this for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just thought, you know, this needs to be a, written in a way that was applicable to women, Advent or non-Advent times of year, because mm-hmm. these are really important stories. And they are told in a way that is, again, very unusual. And I because I dig into the Greek and the Hebrew and the culture, um, and I do a lot of digging into, you know, what actually was going on. And there's a lot of sarcasm in the Bible that we just don't pick up on because (laughs) we don't, we're not living back then. Mm -hmm. Um, So really understanding the background 
um, of what is going on, we discovered or I discovered through writing it, some really interesting things that I grew up in the church and I had never learned in any of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, like the fact that Rahab likely came out of prostitution long before the spies um, were introduced into the story. And again, scripture tells us if we go really de- deep into um, the original language, you know, and again, the culture, why did she have so much flax on the roof? That's unusual. The only reason flax would be, you know, that much flax that you could cover two grown men and not have a toe sticking out or seeing them breathe. Right. Um, The only reason that that would have been there is either flax was used for two purposes. One, to make linseed oil or two, to make linen. And um, I can go more into that. And that's probably not what you care about to talk about on the podcast today. But like there's just over and over and over and over within that story, little things that we don't notice um, unless we truly do dig in deep. So that is what I do. That is my passion. Mm. You know, that those are the most interesting things too that I love when I do a Bible study is really, like you say, you're kind of mining and searching for this information that just sheds so much more light on the bigger picture. Well, for many women, it's it's easy to equate faithfulness or impact with you know, followings or their influencer status or just, you know, social media status in general. How how do the women of the Bible show a far different, truer vision of what a faithful life looks like? Yeah, well, it's interesting because several of them, several of the women in Jesus's lineage weren't like blue-blooded um, Israelites. In fact, really, other than maybe Bathsheba and Mary, they hadn't even grown up within understanding who God really was. Um, so being selfless and understanding that there is more than just you, I think is the biggest thing that is the ribbon that ties through all of them. Um, I mean, the different topics are Tamar, a woman who pursues what is right. I mean, she has really gotten a bad rap of being just kind of, you know, sleeping with her father-in-law for self-preservation and things Mm -hmm. like this. And again, if you really dig into it and you'll read through, through it, um, in this Bible study, but you'll realize that no, that is not what it's about at all. She was actually acting in a way that was preserving her her husband's legacy. And so we learn why she did that and how um, that was really evidenced through. And by the end, um, Judah says, you know, she is the righteous woman and I am the one that's in the wrong. So just learning about things like that. So a woman who pursues what is right, Rahab is a woman who chooses growth and the, her name even um, literally means a woman of expansion. Hmm, um, interesting. Ruth, Ruth uh, is a woman who loves radically. And I think that often we 
look at her story kind of as um, Boaz is the savior and just, you know, kind of it's an allegory about how God comes in and, and really it's, it's really not. And so we dig into what, what does it mean? How do you live radically and love radically and um, understand that um, there's a lot of power in how you live differently and outside of yourself. And then Bathsheba is a woman who claims her voice and um, she had no voice in the beginning when she was taken from her home up to, you know, spend the night with David. And then by the end, when her son Solomon is on the throne, yes. he actually brings in a second throne. I have chills just thinking about it. He brings in a second throne to sit by him. And she is essentially almost like second in command within the whole nation of Israel. So she went from having zero voice to having one of the largest voices Mm -hmm. in the, in the, you know, kingdom. Mm -hmm. And she was the first queen mother. And that's where the legacy of queen mother kind of began because at that time men had quite a few, quite a few wives. And so there was no elevation of a single wife, even if there was a first wife that was very special, it was the mother um, that you would lift up and really edify. So um, that we have some hard conversation in as well, because um, a lot of us kind of had our voices stifled through the years, whether in the Christian community or just in society in general. And some of us have had a person of power um, take advantage of us. So um, that at the beginning, we really talk about, um, you know, if, if this is a hard topic for you, mm-hmm. you know, maybe have, have a friend, a trusted friend or a, your counselor or something, kind of just read through it and see if it's too much for, for your heart at this time. Um, but it's really an important conversation. And then Mary, of course, Jesus's mother is a woman who says yes. And it's, again, not a blanket yes. When we say yes to God, it's not a one and done. It's not a check mark. It's a daily recognition and a daily sacrifice that, yep, I said yes. And today I'm saying yes again. And I'm saying yes again and again. So um, we kind of dig into what does that look like with, with her life and having it completely turned (laughs) upside down compared to what she thought her life would look like. Yes. These are just such interesting facts about these women in Jesus's lineage. And each one, as you discuss in your book, there's just so much depth and interest and, and things that we can learn from their lives. Well, motherhood is definitely a central part in these women's lives. What wisdom do they have for moms today? Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. 
In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. Ooh, that's a good question. I think the biggest thing other than really being true to who they are as themselves and a deep love for Christ, or I guess in in their time, it would be Yahweh and God Mm -hmm. since Jesus hadn't quite shown up yet. Um, But they had a deep dedication and they did things that were really countercultural. And I think that it's such a good reminder And this is actually something that I talked about with my counselor this morning. Like we need to sometimes push the envelope a little bit. And that doesn't mean that we do anything that is opposing to our values or anything of that sort, but showing our children that we can make a difference in the world or showing our children that, you know, just because society says one thing, why? Why do they say that? What is the reason? Um, Like, for example, (laughs) this is a silly example. So maybe this is a little lighter than we're talking about. But again, um, having pink hair or wearing leather pants. Like, who says that you can't do that? Who's, where's the, where's the fashion police? Or where's the person that says you're in your 40s what are you doing wearing leather pants that Mm. you know yeah who's who's the age police and so really teaching our children to be okay with um just changing things a little bit and pushing through those glass ceilings or those walls that um i think are often put in place for reasons unbeknownst to me. So Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary, they may not have worn leather pants or had pink hair, but they definitely pushed that envelope. They definitely went outside of what is traditionally thought of as okay. Mm -hmm. And especially Tamar, again, um, going outside the realm, you know, her first husband died. And so at the time in culture, she would be given to the second, the next son, that son also died. And um, so the family thought that she was cursed and was somehow killing the the sons. Obviously, God put them to death because they were very evil. But the father-in-law, Judah, decided, okay, we're going to send you back to your family, which is not done ever, ever, ever. Once you've joined the family, no matter what, like that's your new family. So there was probably no place for Tamar anymore. She likely ended up staying with the servants and worked with the servants. Um, She was a daughter, but not really because she had been given away. Um, And what we don't understand is that 
that law with um, going from son to son after a, a husband has died, it actually, in the ancient, ancient rules and laws, it actually did go to the father-in-law as well, if there were no other sons. So since he was unwilling to give um, Selah, the youngest son to her, she just was like, I, you know, this is under the law. So as much as we say that's gross, that's weird. She was acting out of place. Guess, guess who named their daughter Tamar? David. David named one of his daughters Tamar. And when Ruth and Boaz were married, some of the, if you read at the very end of the book, they're praising Tamar. And this is a blessing. You know, this, this marital union is such a blessing, just as Tamar was a blessing. Mm-hmm. And so reminding ourselves that, okay, this looks weird. This looks awkward. I don't know what people are going to think about this. And yet, because we, you know, made that balloon grow a little bit bigger because we had more gumption, more faith, more grit. I don't know. Um, but that will be honored later on because people will get get used to that larger balloon, larger filled balloon. That really reminds me of just the whole concept of, and something that I've tried to stress to my children is the fear of God over the fear of man, right? It's just, it's a principle that when we live in this worldly culture, it can so easily, you know, flip that right around and almost, you know, unknowingly um, that's happened. And, and I love what you're saying about just being intentional. And I think when, when our kids are really grounded in um, knowing who God is and fearing God over man, they, they tend to, to be those types of, of people that turn into, you know, um, changers. Well, the stories of these five women do involve uh, poverty and abuse and justice. What does this show us about God and his care for the vulnerable? Mm. I think it's really amazing to look at each of their stories and recognize that, like I mentioned, these are not blue blooded Israelites. They're not Sarah or, you know, all the people that, you know, we think of as kind of elevated <laughs> um, believers. And I think we do that today as well, that, oh, so-and-so is doing this and they have this platform or they're speaking on these stages or they've written all these books. Those are the ones that God's going to use most. But guess what? God used the ones that were ordinary. They, like you said, they were in poverty mostly. Um, and really all of them were in poverty and just the women that you would not expect. And I think that that is the most beautiful reminder of all is who cares who's on the stages. Yes, they are used by God. Absolutely. But you can be used every bit as much. And mother Teresa has a quote and I'm going to butcher it because I don't remember it exactly, but something about um, you are a drop in a pool that ripples. And so 
you talking and encouraging and loving on someone even across the street from you could just, you know, then that person could feel that love and that generosity and that authenticity, and it could just continue on and on and on. And that's truly how we need to live. And yes, God is going to do incredible things in each of our lives. It is just going to look different. And I talk a lot about um, in some of my my talks from stages, but one of them is, you know, my story of being beautifully interrupted. And what I've recognized is we need to say yes to whatever it is. So maybe what if I'm a CEO and I suddenly feel like God is wanting me to, to step down and just homeschool my kids? To me, and I think to society, that would feel very small. But is it small? Mm-hmm. It's not. It, society says it's small. Mm-hmm. But really, it is saying yes to God for some bigger purpose. And that is every bit as important as maybe the lunch lady suddenly, um, you know, feeling called to, I can't even think of what, but something that we as a society would think is really big. Or, um, you know, if you have, maybe you have someone who helps clean your house or something and you consider it as, you know, to be a certain thing. And then what if she starts her own business and suddenly it's this big, huge enterprise? Um, We have different goals. We have different dreams. Um, No one is low. No one. We are just at a different point in life where God is wanting to use us. So CEO to homeschool mom, um, you know, lunch lady to whatever. It does not matter because it's who we touch and the conversations that we're willing to have and just truly letting all of our preconceptions of everything go and recognizing that he is the one that's truly writing our story. And that's, you know, my beautifully interrupted story talks about, you know, writing God's story. And so does this one, um, finding your place in God's story. It is truly his story that we are just This sounds downgrading of us, but we are just characters in his story um, of really making a powerful, powerful impact in the world. Yes. And it honestly, it's it's a privilege, right, that we have been called to do that. And what you've said, what struck me was just the personal side of being impacted by someone. So for example, actually going out of your way to share the love of Christ, whether that's in a hug, something very simple to something more extravagant. It's when someone feels touched personally, and I don't feel like you can, you can do that from a distance, let's say I, you know, um, teaching online and everything Uh, has a different purpose. And we as Christians can really be tremendously adding those ripples if we are out living our lives more like Christ every day. Well, what would you say to a woman who doesn't think that God can use her 
in her current situation? Mm, That's a good question. So if you're watching this on video, just over my shoulder is a book called Leading Wherever You Are, um, a Bible study. It's the one that goes through Joshua. And so often I will have a book table, you know, set out after an event and women will pick that up because it's a pretty cover (laughs) and then they'll read it and they'll set it back down. They'll be like, oh, I don't think that one's for me. And every time I say, why, why do you think the Joshua's leadership Bible study is not for you? Well, I'm not a leader. Well, tell me, tell me about yourself. What do you do? Well, I'm a mom. You don't lead, you don't lead your kids. Well, yeah, but that's different. No, that is not different. And, you know, oh, I also lead the PTA or I lead a Bible study or I lead, um, you know, I volunteer at this organization or I have a job and I have, you know, I lead a team of three people or 50 people Um, like leading wherever you are, doesn't mean you're a CEO, um, or in the C-suite kind of leading a team of 4,000. We are leading wherever we, wherever you are. So as we're growing in our relationship with Christ, we will recognize that we, we can be that type of person everywhere and anywhere. And he will use us as that ripple as we lead. So if you honestly feel like you are only leading in parenting, you are leading with the most incredible job, the most incredible leadership that you could ever have. Absolutely. Right. God has you there for such a time as this, and he can use us uh, no matter what the, the impact. And I love Brother Lawrence has a book where he talks about um, just, you know, washing dishes or doing menial tasks around the house. Like when you're doing things for God's glory, when you're doing serving from your heart, um, you are actively putting into place exactly what you're talking about there, which is serving God. Well, what is one thing that you uncovered in your research on these passages or their cultural context that was particularly illuminating? I know you gave us a couple examples at the beginning. What else would you like to share? Well, really, the, the Rahab one was really the most exciting for me realizing that there is so much within scripture that maybe is assumed or i think i think we don't ask enough questions as i was going through each of these women and i would go to you know again i became a christian at 5 years old as i was driving with my mom in the car listening to kenny rogers um <laughs> on tape i'm sure and so like i have grown up in the church and i've grown up in some beautiful churches that um dug in deeply and yet i felt like i knew nothing as i was truly diving into the stories of these very unique women There was no um, flannel board (laughs) like we had in Sunday school that 
you know, that's kind of maybe the surface level that I felt like I had with these, these five ladies. And so again, digging into, I'll talk about Rahab again, specifically that red rope that she let the spies down on. Yes. That would be a, like, why would she have a red rope? First of all, why would she have a rope as long as needed to let down a couple spies? That would be weird. Um, second of all, red, as we know, is a really unique color that people don't have. You don't have a deep red anything because red, purple, these deep saturated colors are for royalty. Mm-hmm. So if she has this massive long cord, um, then what is that used for? Well, it was you would snip off an inch or two. Um, of this cord, and that's how you would dye linen. And um, so the fact that she had some as long as she did showed that she dyed a whole ton of linen. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was growing up, I always just kind of thought of the red tie or whatever um, hanging out the window. I just thought of that kind of as a ribbon tie back. Um, and it just was this little, little thing, maybe had a little tassel, but it was more of a decorative element that was just kind of hanging out. Um, but again, if you're reading the story and under, and like really digging in through the, the original language, it tells you that the spies went down on the same rope as she tied back. So, um, again, without letting too much out of the bag and not having people feel like they want to read that chapter. Um, But it's just such a beautiful reminder that we need to dig in. We have to. And in Ruth, um, the, one of the Bibles that I was using, I use a whole slew of, of Bibles. Um, The, you know how there's a little kind of commentary in the beginning of, Hey, this is what the book's about. And here's the theme. Um, that little section of this book, this Bible that I just love said, um, and let me actually find it. Um, it talks about how it was a sweet, sweet story. And it was, um, it just kind of made me feel like they thought that it was a sweet love story plopped down to add some levity between the heaviness of judges and first Samuel. And it, it, it made me feel like they thought that it was more kind of pride and prejudice and that Boaz was Mr. Darcy. And again, (laughs) and it literally said, this is a delightful little story. Um, And then went on and I was like, Ruth's story is not a delightful little story. Even the commentator from in the beginning of the, you know, that book got it wrong that there is deep um, sadness and trauma. And I really thought that Naomi was kind of a pessimistic, narcissistic Mm. uh, mother-in-law is kind of how I took her through the years. But no, she wanted to be called Mara, which means bitter because she had extreme trauma. I mean, she was taken out of her country and taken um, somewhere else that really 
believers were not su- supposed to be and um, lived among those people for years. And then her two sons died and her husband died. And suddenly she's left with two daughter-in-laws and they have no way of income. They are just widows. And in those days, there's really, you know, they don't have any children. So they're just destitute. So of course she's feeling bitter, (laughs) bitter, maybe at God, bitter at the situation. And um, as they travel home and just the conversations, and then once she does get home, And Ruth is with her and taking care of her. And we see how God really, um, really shows up in abundance. But it's kind of the first time that we see, at least that I've noticed, that God shows that it's okay to sit in, like, acknowledge your depression. And it doesn't mean that you're too much. It doesn't mean, you know when people say you'll be fine or just, you know, you're making a big deal out of it or whatever, it's depression and hard stuff happens. And acknowledging that within the story of Ruth is really big. And it's again, not this nice little delightful story. This is a really big conversation of mental health and how Ruth showed up for her mother-in-law when she did not have to and showed her radical love and sat with her in her depression and just was there and took care of her um, and did not, um, you know, tell her that she needed to get up and, you know, you're fine. And, you know, all Mm -hmm. these things she sat with her and until she healed and healed at least enough to recognize that, okay, God is actually still with me. He didn't, he didn't leave me in all this pain. You definitely have a a gift, Teresa, for being able to, (laughs) to, to dig deep and, and uncover these interesting things that just completely illuminate these women's lives um, it almost makes you feel like you're there, like you're with them. And that is just such a huge thing. I'd like to encourage our listeners is it, it is awesome to be reading through your Bible, but it's also wonderful to take the time every now and then and, and, and go on a deep dive with someone who is skilled at doing that and pulling it out because it is, it's so revealing and really impacts what you get out of that passage and how you can apply it to your life in uh, such a deep way. Yeah, we talk a lot about how we don't have time for fluff. So even though my Bible studies really feel like we're sitting across the table and like, like you are like having coffee, Mm -hmm. um, it feels very conversational, engaging. And yet, I don't have time for fluff and I want to honor the ladies that are reading this because I know they don't have time for fluff either. So um, I'm really proud of, of being able to share that. Yes, you've done it so well. Well, what might it look like to start living with an awareness of God's bigger story? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell a little story. <laughs> 
So again, this is told in, in my beautifully interrupted book, but this is kind of where it all began is I thought that I wanted to be a curator at a museum, preferably in Italy. I'm sure it's a very easy job to get. <laughs> and I just wanted to be a light for Jesus in the art world. Overseas, I wanted no children, which side note, remember, I have six children now, but I did not like kids. I wanted none. Um, and I don't know if you have any Grey's Anatomy fans. <laughs> I haven't seen it for years and years, but um, a bench that they often show with the space needle, you know, it being in Seattle, this little bench that they show often, um, that was my bench. And this was long before Grey's Anatomy ever was conceived, but I would pray um, use my prayer journal, I would read my Bible and just that was my spot every day. And um, one day, I really felt like God was starting to speak to me just, you know, not audibly, but in my heart and in my head. Um, and I, he, there was all this hubbub of the city down below, I could see the Space Needle and all the traffic and just everyone going to work. And then um, I could see off to my right, a ferry boat going from downtown Seattle and just so dreamily drifting to the San Juan Islands. And I felt like God was saying, which life are you after? The one of toiling and striving and fast paced, or could you possibly be after one that's a little slower, but going from, but more intentional and going from point A to point B? which life are you truly after? And it was at that moment that I realized I was after the striving and I, I'm an Enneagram three I've realized. So I do struggle with striving. Um, but I recognized, gosh, I never consulted God in these plans. I wanted to be a light for him in the art world, but it's only for him if it's designed by him. And so I had kind of gone ahead like an excited puppy and recognized that day that I needed to step back. And so I actually have a tattoo on my wrist that is peonies blooming. And then below it, it says, send me, because this is my reminder that I only am able to bloom in life when I'm sent by the one who is, again, writing our story. So that day I opened up my hands and I closed my eyes and I said, okay, God, send me, um, use me. And I didn't know what I was asking him to use me for. I didn't know what he was asking me to, you know, where he would send me, but I knew that we have this one beautiful life. I wanted to be used in the way that he created me to be used. So I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Um, like in the next days and weeks, I was hoping it would be like this big lightning bolt. Oh my gosh, here's my... <laughs> Here's my big thing. But that's not how he works often. And instead, I knew deeply what I was not supposed to do. And what I was not supposed to do was continue in art history. But the interesting thing is, and this is kind of going away from your question, but I just wanted to acknowledge that um, it has now been, gosh, 25 years since that day. Um, and as I was writing this most recent Bible study, I was praying and I was like, God, I'm just kind of mad. Like I love art history with just everything in me. And I've been so upset for the past 25 years that I haven't 
you'll see an easel next to me if you're watching this on video because this is an I'm trying to bring it back. But um, I haven't gone into art museums. I haven't been watching art docu documentaries like I loved. I haven't been painting and drawing like I'd been doing, which I was actually pretty good at. And it was life giving to me. But I was just kind of, I was just kind of Mara. I was just kind of bitter that God had taken that opportunity away from me. And I was like, why did you waste that? And I felt like God said, first of all, I don't waste anything. Mm -hmm. And second of all, don't you realize that you write Bible studies the exact same way that you studied art history? And it was at that moment. And again, this was like 25 years after he, I felt like he said no to me um, that I recognized all this behind the scenes stuff, all this, you know, learning socially, economically, mm -hmm. um, what's going on in the city at that time, just all these things is what I loved about art history. I wanted to know all the behind the scenes to know why an artist was going to create a certain thing. And that is exactly the same thing that I do with the Bible. And, you know, as we've talked about for the last several minutes that this, all these behind the scenes things. So I just want to acknowledge to you ladies listening if you feel like something's wasted, it's not allow, like keep praying that God would show you how these past experiences can be that ripple that continues on. And that a dream that maybe you had or a calling you thought that you heard him say, will all come back together. If you just sit long enough in silence to hear it. I think that so often we live such busy lives and we even pray and pray and pray, but then we go on with our day and we don't have silence enough to hear him respond because he's not going to shout at us generally. It's going to be a quiet voice. And if we're too busy, we're just going to miss it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love your teachable spirit and just, I think that's so important too, is, and, and your obedience, right? To just hearing that and saying, okay, this is going to be hard. But in the end, as you're going through this period where maybe you don't understand why God is doing something, he does eventually bring it in. And like you said, I, I can only imagine all of that historical background and understanding different cultures and all these things have contributed to to how you can be such a good Bible study teacher. Well, as we wrap things up here, what would what is your hope for women who engage in this study? Yeah, I really hope that first of all, it doesn't gather dust on your bedside table or your um, next to your fireplace. Uh, this most recent one, the finding your place in God's story, um, it's designed a little differently than the rest. It's first of all, three days a week instead of five, because I want it to, to really be attainable to the woman who just feels like, Oh my gosh, I don't have time. I want to have time. I want to do this, but five days a week, just feels like too much. So three days a week, and we still dive in just as just as deep. But we also every day have a QR code. And you put your phone over that QR code. Now since COVID, I think all of us who have been to a restaurant and gotten a menu understand the concept of the QR code. Yeah. But 
Um, so put your phone over that and it takes you to, we call it sacred songs. And they're all original songs specifically created for this Bible study. So there's one song per week. So there's five songs. And we really want, we, I, <laughs> my team, I guess, really wants you to settle yourself. So years ago, um, I don't remember if I was in the, like watching Priscilla Shire live or if it was one of her video studies, but she mentioned going to a prayer group. And instead of having the beginning be, oh, getting coffee and snacks and chatting, like most Bible studies and prayer groups, instead you walked into this time of silence and everyone just went wherever in the corner, uh, on a chair, you know, whatever was comfortable for you. And you just breathe. Um, you know, we battle traffic, we battle kids, we battle just the busyness of life. And this is a moment to just breathe and settle. So put your phone over the QR code, listen to the song that uh, connects to the concept of that week's study and just be with God and worship him and allow him to prepare your heart for this, um, that day of the study. And I think that it's so important again, that we slow down. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, how can people find out more about you and all of your Bible studies? Yeah. So my name's kind of long. <laughs> so on Instagram, it's Teresa.swanstrom.anderson, which I totally get is kind of long. Um, and my my website is the same. Um, well, actually, it's Hey, It's Teresa. So I try to make it a little bit easier. So heyitsteresa.com. But you can also just go straight to um, getwisdombiblestudies.com, studies like plural. And then I have a podcast also that's called Living Lighter with Teresa. So I'm kind of all over the place, but really with the concept of slowing down with scripture and in life. That's, mm. that's what my, my aim is to help women. And help myself, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, excellent. We will make sure that we have all of those links in our show notes. Before we go, I just want to ask you some of our favorite Bible study tool questions. What yeah. Bible is your go-to Bible and what translation is it? So... This is kind of a two-part answer. So my favorite translation is typically the ESV, but I also love the message because I think there's reading Bibles and there's studying Bibles. So next to my fireplace in the morning is where I sit and read um, out of the message. But when I'm studying, it's usually, again, the ESV. But in saying that, <laughs> the Bible that I have next <laughs> to me right now is an NIV, but the reason I love it is because it's an archaeological study Bible. Oh, yes. And so there's so much just depth and just juicy details Pictures. that are always like ancient people, land and rulers, and it just digs in again to the culture and stuff. So, um, you know, I grew up on the NIV, so I think it's still great, but I like the more literal translation of the ESV. Awesome. I have that archaeological 
Bible in my collection as well. And it is so in the pictures and everything, it really does just help expand your context and cultural understanding. All right. So do you have any favorite journaling supplies that you like to use to enhance your Bible study experience? Yes, I have them right next to me. Um, I recently discovered these because a friend was obsessed with them. So a low haster, <laughs> I don't even know how to say it correctly. A L O H A S T E R. But these are, first of all, really cute. And I like, I'm a big visual person, but also they don't bleed through your page. Mm, so that nice. is really big for me because most of my Bibles, I'm like, what did I underline? Is that this page or the page? Oh, no. Um, so, yes, I love, love, love those. And again, I'm a visual person, so I like the colors and I like the design of them all. <laughs> I wonder if they're, is it alabaster? I wonder if they're alabaster. Uh, I don't know. It's Maybe it's supposed to be like off of that, but alohaster is what it's called. Hmm. Okay. We will include that in our link. Lastly, what is your favorite app or website for Bible study tools? Yeah, I am absolutely obsessed with the Blue Letter Bible app. And I walk you through how to use it within every single one of my studies. So it is a big deal. Like you, to do one of my studies, you really need to download it because, you know, we do dig into the Greek and the Hebrew and all sorts of things of that sort, the lexicons, and I'm maybe making it sound more like class. And I promise you, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like being in a history class or your theological Bible class or something, but um, it is important. So the Blue Letter Bible apps, I think the best and the easiest way to really start digging in without having a whole desk full of big dusty books. Yes. <laughs> well, I agree. That is an excellent, excellent app. Love that one. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for being here today to share your amazing Bible study with us. It's always so eye-opening to just learn about the people that God used throughout the Bible that are so similar to us. So when we think God couldn't possibly use us because of our sin or because we don't feel we have anything that God could use, he shows us again and again throughout Scripture that ordinary people with everyday struggles are exactly the people he does use. So it's so yeah. encouraging. So thank you again. Thanks for yeah. having me. It was fun. And for our listeners, pick up a copy of Teresa's Bible study, Finding Your Place in God's Story. You can find the link in our show notes. Lastly, head over to the Coffee and Bible Time website for our prayer journals that will help guide and document your prayer life at coffeeandbibletime.com. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We love you all. Have a blessed day.